life will all be over and our pilgrimage will end. Soon we'll take our heavenly journey, be at home again with friends. Heaven's gates are standing open, waiting for our entrance there. Some sweet day we're going over, all the beauties there to share. Just a little while to stay here, just a little while to wait, just a little while to labor in the path that's always straight. Just a little more of trouble in this low and sinful state. Then we'll enter heaven's portals, sweeping through the pearly gates. Soon we'll see the light of morning, then the new children enter in. Then we'll hear a choir of angels singing out the victory song. All our troubles will be ended, and we'll live with heaven's throng. Just a little while to stay here, just a little while to wait. Just a little while to labor in the path that's always straight. Just a little more of trouble in this low and sinful state. Then we'll enter heaven's portals, sweeping through the pearly gates. Then we'll enter heaven's portals. Brother Houston, why don't you come up? We have one more special, and then Brother Houston's going to come. Brother Houston is an evangelist, and uh, he travels around the country going from church to church. For a number of years, he pastored, and so he knows exactly what we're dealing with and what we're going through here. He has a heart for the pastors and a heart for churches and people. And like I say, it just all fits together perfectly like a puzzle. And now here he is on the road traveling across the country and making an impact and a difference in the lives of so many others. And we are so honored to have him and, of course, his wife with us this week. And I trust that you open your heart and your mind and allow the Holy Spirit to truly speak to your heart today. Again, what a treat it is to have the opportunity and the privilege to hear from a man of God. And I just pray that we'll all allow God to do that in our life today.
Amen. Praise the Lord, huh? Wasn't that wonderful? Good to be with you this morning. Glad you're here. How many of you are glad you're saved this morning? Amen. That's pretty good. Amen. Not too bad. How many of you are glad you're saved this morning? That's a little better. Amen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, if you're saved, you ought to put a smile on your face, okay? (laughs) A whole lot easier to preach the smiling faces than frowning faces. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I don't know why anybody want to be a Christian when I look at most Christians' faces. And when you listen to them belly aching and complaining. Amen. Amen. It's a good thing to be saved. Amen. It's an honor to be with you this morning. I want to, uh, if you're a visitor here this morning, I uh, just want to encourage you to come back and hear Pastor O'Donnell preach, Okay. Uh, I always hate to be at a church on Sunday morning when they have visitors. Uh, I I am not representative of Brother O'Donnell at all. We're two different people. Amen. So come back and hear him preach. You know, he is your shepherd. He loves you. He leads you. He feeds you. I am a sheepdog. I came to nip at your heels. Amen. (laughs) So if I preach something that kind of just kind of strikes a little bit, don't get mad at your preacher. Amen. And uh, it'll be okay. Amen. Well, amen. It's good to be with you. Uh, We're here to have revival this week. Let me ask you to do four things, if you would, if we're going to have revival. Number one, be present in every service. You know, the night that you miss is probably the night when God had something for you. Amen. Just be present at every service. If you don't feel like it, and if you don't like what I'm preaching, just be present at every service. Amen. Number two, I ask you to pray for God to give me power and wisdom 
about what I should preach and the power to preach it. I don't take lightly the opportunity to preach. Don't take lightly standing in another man's pulpit. I, I know that very, uh, I pastored 26 years. Number three, I ask you to pray and ask God to work in your mind and your heart and, and life personally to re revive you. You ought to be praying what the psalmist prays, you know, search me, O God, know my heart. You ought to be asking God to revive us, so revive us, revive me, Lord, amen. And then I ask you to commit to coming to the altar if the Lord speaks to you about anything. I want to tell you that the Bible tells us we have revival when God's people will humble themselves. And I don't believe that we humble ourselves when we stay in the pew. Most of the reason why we don't come to an altar is we're worried about what people think. And if you have anything in you that keeps you from coming to the, pull, uh, to the altar because you're worried about what people think, that's called a pride issue. You know what you should say? I don't care what people think. I want to make sure I get right with my God. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And God says God's people have wicked ways. That's not what we like to hear, but that's the truth. We're all sinners. Praise God, saved by grace. Amen? Amen. But just because you're saved doesn't mean you're not a sinner. And if you've been saved very long and you have any spirituality about you, you'll know that you, that you have a real problem with sin. It's a daily battle. Amen. You know, the closer a person gets to the Lord, the less they think of themselves. If you'll draw an eye to God, you'll see yourself as more unholy instead of more holy. Everybody who ever saw Jesus face to face fell on their face and said, I'm going to die. I'm in the presence of holiness and I'm wicked. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. What we need to do in America is we need to humble ourselves. America is way too proud. The Laodicean church was proud. We're rich. We have need of nothing. God says you're wretched, miserable, naked, poor, and blind. Because God hates pride. Amen? So let me encourage you to do that. Now take your Bibles, if you would, with me. And turn, with you would, to Luke chapter 19. And I need to be done here in about 30 minutes. And I have 196 verses or 169 verses in my message. I won't read all of them, uh, but, but I do have that. And uh, I, my pastor gave me two outlines when I got in the ministry. The first one was K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. The second one was five B's, be brief, brother, be brief. I got the first outline down, but that last one I have trouble with, okay? So we'll try to do our best, and I know that we have buses running and things. And so if you'll listen fast, I will preach fast. Amen. And amen. The little boy was at his wedding for the first time, and his cousin asked him, how many, how many man, uh, wives can a man marry? And he said, 16. And his cousin said, how can you, how'd you figure that? He said, well, the preacher said, for better, for worse, for sickness, and in health. Four, four of them. Amen? Four? You get it. Oh, well, you get it by a phrase tomorrow. Luke chapter 19. If you'll stand, please, for the reading of God's Word. If you're physically able, Luke chapter 19. I'm honored to be with you. I can tell that this is a great church. You have a great pastor. Amen. Amen. That's pretty good. You have a great pastor. Amen. 
Amen. The greatest pastor and the greatest preacher in the world should be your pastor. Not Ted Houston. Amen. I won't be here. I'm going to be here for four days. I'm leaving. He's been here for 25 years. I pastored for 26 years. You know, that's what God's looking for. He's going to be there to marry you and bury you. He's going to be there to pray for you. He's going to, you call him at 3 o'clock in the morning. He's going to come. Amen. So don't you ever, ever, ever place any man of God above the man of God that you have. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to salute him. That means to unfold in the arms and let him know that you love him. You're supposed to remember him. That means to carry him on your heart as he carries you on his heart. And you're supposed to obey him. That means to follow his leadership as he follows Christ. And, and nobody here should ever stir up strife or cause problems. As long as your pastors know what the Bible says, you have no reason to stir up any trouble. Just get in step and follow him. You do that, God will bless you. All right, let's get in the message. We may get in the message, we may not. Sometimes I just ramble for a while. <laughs> Luke chapter 19. This pulpit is way too tall for me. I'm going to stand up here. <laughs> yeah, this crowd's way too big for me. I'm a country preacher. The last church I was in had six people in it. I love, I love. I love those men that will serve in places like that. Every place in America needs an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church. Everybody needs a pastor. Ephesians tells us that you can't be perfected without... He gave some apostles, evangelists, preachers, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. You'll never get perfected sitting at home. You must have a personal pastor. That's Bible. Amen. Well, we'll get to the message here. (laughs) Luke chapter 19, look with me if you please. It says, And they brought him to Jesus and cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Notice that he wept, beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at this, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from, their, from thine eyes. Jesus had come to Jerusalem to bring them peace. He had come to Jerusalem to bring them what he had come to the earth for. And the Bible says here that they, they rejected him, and he said it is hid from thine eyes. I want you to notice this phrase here, at least in this thy day. I want you to think about that term, thy day. Could it be today in this service that this is your day? And this is your only day? You see, that was Israel's one chance. And Jesus said, because you missed it, because you didn't see who I was and why I came, 
you have missed your chance. And now, he says later in one other passage, he said, your city, your, your city, your nation is left unto you desolate. I want to preach this morning on don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity. Genesis chapter 6, the Lord said, my my spirit will not always strive with man. The word strive there means to wrestle for. God announced that my spirit is not going to always wrestle for you. There comes a time when God says a certain situation, certain people, I will no longer try to get you to accept what I have for you. We don't believe that about God, but the Bible bears it out. So I don't know, today may be your day. The one chance you have to let God do the work in your life that he come for. And I hope you won't miss it. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and I'm a nobody. You know that, dear God. I'm the worst Christian I know because I don't know anybody else. And Lord, I, 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 I live as a person who is so needy, and I pray you'll bless today. I give you all the glory and all the praise for what you do. I deserve nothing except hell. I deserve none of your blessings. I don't deserve any praise and glory for what I do, and I pray, God, that you'll work. I beg you, Father, if there's anyone here not saved today, they will not miss it. Could be the last time they'll get a chance to trust Christ as Savior. And Christians may be spoken to today about an issue that if they don't respond today, you might just say, that's it, I'm done. I will no longer deal with you. God help us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, may be seated. This was Israel's day. The Jewish people whom he loved so much and has his chosen, that day he came to them and he came to them for them to see. If you turn... If you turn in your Bibles with me, Zechariah chapter 9, but I can't wait on you because I've got so many verses, but you'll find that in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse number 9, the Bible tells us, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Now listen, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Prophecy had told the Jews that their king would come riding on a foal of an ass. That's exactly what happened in our passage in Luke chapter 19. Jesus told his disciples, go into a certain city there. You'll find a a, a colt, an ass colt there, and unloose him and bring him to me. And if the master says anything, tell him the master needs it. And they brought it to Jesus, and they put their garments on, and they led that that colt of the ass into the city of Jerusalem, and they put down the palm leaves, and they praised God and glorified him, said, Hosanna in the highest. And when the leaders of the Jews saw it, they said, tell him to be quiet. Don't say that. And Jesus said, if they be quiet, the stones will cry out. But then he said, as he looked on them and as he wept, he said, if thou hadst known in this thy day. But behold, you are, you're, it is hid from your eyes. If you had known in this thy day the, the peace that I have for you and what I have for you, you would not have said to me, we don't want you. They didn't have to miss what happened because God had prophesied. I want to say to you, most of us in here don't have to miss what God's had for us because we've heard enough preaching. Amen. You know, if somebody comes to this church and goes to hell out of this church, it'll be a really sad preacher. 
I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't know anybody's heart here. I only know one person in the world for sure that's saved. That's me. But I know this. I know that sometimes in our churches we have people that have a profession without a possession. And it's possible we have some folks in here. It's your first time in church. And the truth of the matter is, is you have never truly been born again. And I'm telling you what, it'd be sad if today was the day of your salvation. And now is the accepted time. <clears throat> but you decide, I'm not going to listen to that preacher. I'm not going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to walk out of here lost. Amen. Don't miss this thing of the day. Number one, don't miss the opportunity to be regenerated. That's a, that's a real glorified word for getting saved. Amen. Don't miss the opportunity to get saved. I just want to ask you, and I don't want you to raise your hand, but I just want to ask you, are you 100% sure this morning that you're saved? That you're born again. Can you point to a time in your life when you accepted Christ as Savior? I want to just tell you this. You understand something. We're all sinners. Amen. Everyone's a sinner. Do you know we're conceived in sin? It's what David said, and it's the truth. The truth of the matter is that if something's natural, you don't have to teach it. And if you have to teach something, it's not natural. I could take you over to the nursery today and show you you don't have to teach children to bite. You don't have to teach children to fight over toys. You don't have to teach a child to lie. You don't have to teach a child to fight. You don't have to teach a child to disobey. <clears throat> All of those are a violation of God's law, and the violation of God's law is sin. And every person in here today is a sinner. Amen? Amen? Well, I didn't commit murder. No, the murderers shall be in hell. Amen? Yeah. yeah. And so shall the whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. You know, how many murders do you have to commit to be a murderer? So how many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? So everybody in here, I, I believe, probably could have to say, I'm a sinner. I'm a liar. And my mama used to say, liars go to hell. And that's, that's a biblical truth. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want to tell you something. If, if, if the biggest problem with that is there's a penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. The penalty for sin is eternity in the lake of hell. Amen. God can't take us to heaven for doing wrong. Where do we get this idea that God's going to take us to heaven for breaking his law? Sin is the transgression of the law. I preach in prison for many years. You know, when I went to prison, there was a guy there had, that uh, had committed murder, murder. There was a guy there that had robbed houses. There was a guy there that assaulted people. There was a guy there that, that uh, pushed drugs. There was a guy there that possessed drugs. There was a guy there that had DWIs. There was a guy there that didn't pay his child support. Now, you can look at all those people and say, well, this guy was worse than this guy, but all of them broke the law, so all of them had to pay the penalty of the law, amen? So all of them were in the same place called prison. And I don't care how good you may think you are, the Bible says we're all sinners, and the penalty for sin is hell. And you may be a murderer that ends up in hell, or you may just be a liar that ends up in hell, but you're going to end up in hell if you don't get born again. Amen? Uh, uh, being born again. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Well, I was born the first time to my mom and dad. Did you know I didn't work for that? You know, you can't work for salvation. There's some folks in here, you think you've got to work your way to heaven. You can't do that. Amen? Not by works of righteousness. It's a gift. Amen? My mom and dad gave me life. And by the way, the moment that I was birthed into their family, I became their child forever. When my daddy's in heaven right now, when I get to heaven, I can't have a different dad than Don Houston. So birth made me Don's son forever. Birth into God's family makes you God's child forever. Amen. 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 
But if you're not birthed to him, you're not his child. Amen. What do you have to do to be saved? You have to understand that Christ died for your sins. Amen. Aren't you glad he went to hell for you? Amen. God loved us so much he gave his son. Why did he give his son? So he could, he could bruise him. So he, could, so he could put on Jesus everything he wanted to put on our sin. So that he could place all our sin on Jesus. And Jesus could suffer enough torment and pain that God says, okay, I'm satisfied. I won't send people to hell now. But the only way that you can have eternal life is through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming out of the Father but by me. Acts chapter 14, verse 12. There is none under name. Give it under heaven whereby we must be saved. You don't get saved by the name Baptist. Amen. You don't get saved by the name Catholic. Amen. Don't get saved by the name Methodist. Amen. Don't get saved by that. Don't get saved by the name a Muslim. There's only one name. It's the name of Jesus that can save us. Amen. It's a gift. And a gift is something somebody purchased for you. And they offer it to you. Unless you take it, it's not yours. So I'm telling you this morning, there hasn't been a time in your life where you took Jesus into your heart as your Savior. Amen. I'm going to tell you, it comes because of conviction. I believe no conviction, no conversion, preacher. You know, you don't try Jesus, you trust Jesus. We got a lot of people out preaching, trust, try Jesus, just try Jesus, just try Jesus. No, you don't try Jesus. You come to a place where you're convicted. I'm going to go to hell for my sin. If I don't put my faith in Jesus, that's called trusting him. You know, it's called believing on him. It's like that chair up there. If I tell you, ask you what it is, you'll say that's a chair. I say, well, what do you believe that chair will do? I believe that chair will hold me up. But you, but you haven't put your faith in it yet. You've never put your faith in that chair until you sit down in it and say, I'm trusting you. Now, if you think you're trusting Jesus and your good works, Jesus and your baptism, Jesus and your church membership, Jesus and your good life, you haven't really trusted Jesus yet. You're still trying to get yourself to heaven and you can't do that. Amen. Can I tell you how to know for your sake? Number one, we have the promises of God. God says if you, if you receive Jesus, he'll give you eternal life. Amen. He doesn't lie. Number two, there must be a place. I was saved at the Haven Baptist Church in Haven, Kansas when I was five years of age. My best friend was killed when we were five years of age. The first thought that came to my mind when he was killed, I wonder if Steve's in heaven or hell. I knew that I was a liar. I knew that I, I fought with my brother. I knew I disobeyed my parents, all violations of the scripture. I knew I was a sinner. I went to church nine months before I was born. I already knew at the age of five what sin was because I was good at it. Amen. And I knew that if I, my sin was going to send me to hell. And I knew the only way to go to heaven was Jesus. When my friend died, I, I knew that I wasn't going to go to heaven, and I wondered if Steve was in heaven. God began to deal with my little five-year-old heart at that time, and we had a preacher come in, and he was a magician, and he took a black handkerchief, put it in some red fluid, said, this is your wicked, sinful heart. He put it in the red fluid. He pulled it out white as snow. He said, the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you white as snow. I knew I needed salvation. By the way, sin's not black, it's red. That's Bible, but when I go there. And that began to stir my heart. I knew that's what I needed. That night he preached a sermon. I was sitting on the second row with my parents. I don't know what he preached. All I know is the moment that God preacher said, let's stand with our heads bowed. I closed. The Holy Spirit stuck his finger in my heart. Said, you're a sinner. Going to go to hell if you don't accept Jesus. You're a sinner. Going to go to hell. That's called conviction. 
We don't like that in America. Maybe some folks sitting in this church this morning, I'm not trying to be mean. You don't like that. You don't like it. Somebody call you a sinner. Well, the Bible calls you a sinner. And the Holy Spirit called me a sinner. And I knew he was right, preacher. And I knew he was right. I was going to go to hell because that's what the Bible says. And God doesn't lie. Amen. And I knew I had to accept Jesus to go to heaven. But I was an introvert, very shy, sitting on the second row. I fought that invitation. We must have sung 100 verses of Just As I Am. Finally, the preacher said, let's, go, let's pray. And I went, shh. But it wasn't shh. Because I went home that night, brother. For the first time, I spent my night wondering if I die tonight, I'm going to go to hell. I went to kindergarten the next morning, spent all that morning thinking, if I die here in kindergarten, I'm going to hell. I went home that afternoon thinking, if I die here at home, I'm going to go to hell. I looked up to God and said, God, if you'll get me back to church tonight, I promise you I'll accept Christ as my Savior. I didn't know I could do it at church, but I'm glad, I, I'm glad I, I'm at home. I'm glad I didn't, though. Because I'm afraid a lot of times we just, make it, we just make it where it's just a little prayer we pray. Amen. Amen. It ain't about a prayer. It's about believing in your heart. Amen. The prayer I prayed was going to be real simple. I'll tell you about it. That night we went to there and my folks sat on the back row. I've been mad at them ever since. If I couldn't walk two hours, how am I going to walk that whole church? Preacher, priest can't tell you what he preached to. He said, let's stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. The Holy Spirit convicted me. You're a sinner going to go to hell if you don't accept Christ as Savior. And you promise I'll get you back here tonight, you get saved. After about three verses of just as I am, I couldn't take it anymore. I did three things all at once. I let go, stepped out in the aisle and said, okay, in my heart. And I got saved right back there. I didn't go in some, they went in some side room, went through a bunch of verses with me, brother. O'Donnell, I'd already accepted Jesus as my Savior. I prayed a prayer in there, but I'd already done it right back there. I'm telling you, you got to have a place. If preachers said, we're going to all come up here this after, after this service, and we're going to all tell everybody the place where we got saved. Could you do that? Well, I've just always been saved. No, you haven't. Well, and I've asked people, hey, where'd you get saved? Uh, 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 uh. If you don't know where you got saved, you're not saved. Amen. Has to be a place. Number two, there has to be a person. The Spirit says when you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in. Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. It says in the book of Romans chapter 8, the Spirit bears with our spirit that we are the sons of God. So when you get saved, the Spirit comes in and He starts witnessing to you that you're a Christian. Amen. How does He do that? He tells you what you ought to do and what you ought not to do. I was a, I was a, I was a prodigal. Shortly after I got saved, I got involved in wicked sin. Spent 12 years of my life in wicked sin. But you know, every time I was getting ready to go sin, the Holy Ghost would say to me, you're a Christian, you shouldn't do that. Can I tell you something about God? God knows even your thoughts. God even knows the the motive of your heart. If right now you're thinking about getting out of this church so you don't have to listen to this preaching, God knows what you're thinking. If he right now, if, he, if right now in your mind, you're thinking, I wish he'd shut up. I don't believe that. God knows what you're thinking. And he knew what I was thinking about doing. And when I get ready to go do it, the Holy Spirit say, you're a Christian. You know better. You shouldn't do that. He bore witness with me. Even though I was wicked, he bore with me. I was a Christian. I was saved. I should have known better. And I did know better. I go ahead and step over to the Holy Spirit and do it anyway. Just like I disobeyed my parents many times. You know, see, God won't make you do anything, nor will he stop you from doing anything. 
He will just bear witness with you. This is what I want out of you. And I don't want you to do that. But if you don't have that, you're not saved. It goes on saying that, Pastor, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Do you have a place? Do you have a person of the Holy Spirit in your life? Number three, there's punishment. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, scourgeth every son he receiveth. If ye endure chasing, God doeth with you a son. For what son is the father chasteneth not? If ye be without chastisement, where all are, are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Well, I'm saved. I prayed a prayer and I'm on my way to heaven. I'm living a sinful life. Nothing happening to me. If he don't spank you, you don't belong to him. Well, now, don't, 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 don't clam up on me here. His spanking ain't the, uh, dropping a lightning bolt on you. That's not his number one job, spanking. His spanking ain't making your car break down. You know what his number one tool of spanking is? It's called guilt. When you sin and you're truly a Christian, your peace will be destroyed. And guilt will be the ch- chastening tool. The Holy Spirit would tell me to go do it. I'd step over and go do it. There's pleasure in sin while you're sinning. So I didn't hear the Holy Spirit at all. As soon as I let the guys and the gals off and get in my car driving home, the Holy Ghost would show up. You know what he started doing? He started just whooping me with guilt. I would get so guilty. I'd go home, and by the time I got home, I'd lay down the bathroom floor. And I'd say, oh, God, I, I don't know why I do this. I know it's wrong. I don't want to be this way. Can I tell you, if you want to be sinful, there's something wrong with your Christianity. Oh, you have a sin nature that wants to sin. But if you're truly saved, that new creature doesn't mean that you don't commit any sin. It means that there's a desire in there you never had before. A desire not to sin. A desire to live for God. Amen. I'm asking you this morning, are you 100% sure you're saved? My daughter made a profession of faith when she was four years of age. We had Brother Joss Lovins preach a youth conference. And he just talked about some of the kids in the youth group. And by the way, I don't believe in making people doubt. But he just talked about some young people in his, in his, youth, in his youth group that got saved. And my daughter was 20-some years of age. She's playing a piano. She was sitting on the front row. I was up running the PA booth. She got up in the message, come running up there, ran up to me, and she said, Daddy, I'm not saved. I've known it for several years, Daddy, and I just was ashamed to say anything. And I said, Girl, let's get her done right now. Look, I've seen preachers get saved. I've seen preachers' wives get saved. You know what? I wouldn't want to be a preacher. I wouldn't want to be a preacher's wife. I wouldn't want to be a preacher's kid. And I wouldn't want to be somebody that claims to be saved and end up and die and go to hell. Matthew, Jesus, Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, Not everyone saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Have we not prophesied, cast out demons, done many wonderful works? He said, And I will profess unto you, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I like what my good friend Tom Williams says. It's not a matter whether you claim to know Jesus. It's a matter where Jesus knows you. How can I illustrate that? If we brought Donald Trump in here today, how many of us would know who he was? How many of us would he know? Well, we all know about Jesus. Everybody knows about Jesus. Yeah, but I want to know, does he know you? My sheep hear my voice and I know them. 
Man, I'll tell you what, preacher, if I wasn't saved today, I'd get saved today. Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. An evangelist preaching, a young man slipped in the back row. He preached. You could see the young man under conviction. He asked the folks to raise their hand. It was saved. The young man didn't. He could tell the young man was in great conviction. So he went back during the invitation. He said, young man, I see you under conviction. You're not saved, no. Won't you get saved? No. He said, please, let's get saved today. He said, no. Shook his hand several times. Finally, he said, leave me alone. As soon as they prayed the invitation, the last prayer he got in his car, spread out gravel with his tires out of the parking lot, headed down the road, and about a half mile, a quarter mile down the road, he lost control, hit a telephone pole, and the car immediately burst in flames. And you could hear him at the church saying, help me, help me, I'm burning. And all of a sudden it went quiet. He missed his last opportunity. I don't believe in preaching doubt, but I do believe in preaching truth. Now, either you are saved or you aren't. And either you have those, those, uh, those, uh, those uh, 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 things that say you are or you don't. And if I was here today and I wasn't sure I was saved or I knew I wasn't saved, I would not hardly, I, on that first, first note of invitation, I'd be down here saying, I want to get saved. You see, you'll never get out of hell. Hell is a lake of fire, a place of torment. Everyone in here is less than one second away from eternity. Human heart beats at 70 beats per minute. I have a preacher friend of mine preaching right in the middle of his sermon. A guy stood up, had a heart attack, dropped dead on the floor. I've never had that happen, thank God. I never had anybody say to me, I won't accept Christ as Savior. Drive down the road, hit a telephone post and go into flames. But don't you get to thinking... Another day, another time. Wasn't it Felix said, some more convenient day? Wasn't it Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian? The Bible never records that either Felix or Agrippa, either one ever did make that decision. When the Holy Spirit spoke through the preaching of Paul and they had their opportunity, they said, wait a minute, manana, not today. And I'm not so sure that's what I need to do. So I'm not going to do it. And I'll tell you what, as far as I know, Agrippa and Felix are burning in hell right now. Don't miss your opportunity to get saved. Don't miss your opportunity to get right. I got to really quit. I got, I got about seven more points. I'm not going to do them all. I got to quit. I really didn't mean to just stay on a salvation. But I want to just say this. We may just quit with this and I'll preach the rest tonight. Most important thing in the world is your soul. And you don't want to lose your soul. What shall the proper man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You know, we got this problem in America. We suppose that gain means godliness. The Bible says, supposing gain is godliness from such turn away. You want to know? We'll go to the poor section of town and they'll understand they're sinners. Amen. But you go to the rich folks, you know what they say? What's wrong with me? Look how God's blessed me. Can I tell you what? God blesses hard work. But that don't mean you're godly. And that don't mean you're going to heaven. I've been in church nine months before I was born. Do you know 
I'm not going to heaven because my great-grandparents were Christians, because my grandparents were Christians, because my parents were Christians. There had to come a day in my life when I realized I was a sinner. I'm going to go to hell. And the only way I can avoid hell is I must accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Not pray a prayer, but truly believe. Open my heart and receive Him. You know the moment I said okay and let go and stepped out into the aisle? Immediately the condemnation left and the peace replaced it. You know, if you prayed a prayer and it didn't result in knowing, didn't result in peace, I'm not saying you're not saved, but I sure got to wonder where the Holy Ghost was. You know, preacher, I, I believe this. We have a hard time having conviction in our services anymore. We have become so arrogant. And we have become, just like the Bible says, because iniquity abounds, the love of many waxes cold. We have seen so much evil, we've become calloused. And we compare ourselves with others and say, well, I'm just as good as they are, so I should be all right. No! Ye must be born again. On July 24th, 1955, write that date down, you can send me a birthday card. On July 24th, 1955, I was born into this world. I don't have the date of when I was born into the eternal life. But I know it was in 1960 in the Haven Baptist Church in Haven, Kansas, a town of 1,200 people, with a faithful hellfire and damnation preacher named Jim Lambert, who preached hell hot, heaven free, and sin ugly. Are you sure that you're saved? Don't miss your opportunity. I want you to come back tonight. I got some other opportunities you don't want to miss. But we want to get these buses out, amen? We don't want these little kids to have to miss getting home. And I would say this. Can I say this? We'll never have revival. First, we've got to get saved. I mean, the first place for, for revival is first base, salvation. You can't get to home without getting to first base. You can't get revived if you're not saved. There's nothing to revive. You're dead in sin. You've got to get alive first. Don't go to hell. If you're here today and you're not absolutely sure you're saved. You can't point to those things that the Bible says are true. I ain't talking about a feeling here now. You might not feel saved. I'm talking about how to know from Scripture. Because I doubted for a long time. And I went to Scripture and God showed me, here's how you know, Ted. Because you have a place. Because you have a person. Because you have a punishment. And though you've not been a very good Christian. And though you've lived sinfully. I never left you. I never forsook you. I never took my salvation from you. And He'll never do that to you. If you'll just come to Jesus today, He'll save you. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father in heaven. I thank you for letting me preach. I pray, God, Holy Spirit of God, now, God, that you would put a big hush over this place.